1209, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It is an amazing day. This this is American history, and we will continue our wall-to-wall coverage of the testimony in the Kavanaugh hearings. Right now, they are on a break. We expect they're going to resume sometime in the next five to ten minutes or so. They, they have been keeping this relatively on schedule, and, and we will continue to bring you the questioning by both Republicans and Democrats of Judge Kavanaugh's accuser. Then the plan is, after that is completed, whenever that will be completed, they're going to clear the committee room, and then they're going to bring in Judge Kavanaugh, and he will be asked questions. We will bring that to you as well. My hope is that there is going to be enough of a break in the action that we can open up our phone lines and give you a chance to weigh in on what it is that you've heard already already today. So I, I'm hoping that we're going to be able to do that. I don't want to start a topic, though, and have full phone lines, and then all of a sudden they, they resume the testimony, and you know we, we have to bail on that. So I'm, I'm going to be looking for the opportunity to do that. But I, I do think, and I will tell you, in all honesty, I was kind of on the fence as to how I was going to handle the, the coverage of this today, and I was thinking, well, maybe I'll, I'll dip in. But I, I've been following it this morning. I, I watched some of it on television. I listened to some of it on the radio, candidly, because sometimes you have a different impression if you're seeing something versus just if you're, you're hearing it. And I was thinking maybe, you know, we'll weigh in. We'll try to do a regular show and just leave it up to the news. But it, th- this is history. You know, one regardless of how you feel about Judge Kavanaugh or how you feel about his accuser, th- this is American history. And, you know, we haven't had anything like this since the Anita Hill hearings, you know, back in the early 1990s. And I think as as a program that that covers current events and covers things that are important historically, this is something that I I think we we need to have up there. But I am hoping to give you an opportunity to weigh in on this at, at some point in time and figure out, you know, where do we go from here in the aftermath of this testimony? I'll give you a couple of my preliminary impressions. And I, I say preliminary because I, I, when, when I used to be a prosecutor, one of the things that used to drive me crazy was you'd have a newspaper reporter that would pop into a trial that you were doing and would, would watch for 15 minutes without knowing what came first or what came after that and then would write a story that completely and totally, because they only saw 15 or 20 minutes, completely or totally missed the whole context of what was was going on. So that's why I always think, you know, when you have these proceedings that are happening, you have to you have to allow them to play out to, to get, you know, the, the actual impressions. You have to like say, OK, let's give this some time. I, I So I'm, I'm I'm trying to withhold my thoughts as to her credibility till after. She's been completely and totally questioned, and then after Judge Kavanaugh has had a chance to you know, testify under oath and answer questions as well. So I, I think it's important to let this whole thing play out now that it is at that point. I, I will say this. I think the structure that they are using is not necessarily conducive to trying to get to the truth to the extent that you could get to the truth. And, and, and by that I mean... This idea that you have, all right, the, the questioner, the, the prosecutor who's been hired by the Republicans to ask questions, the fact that she has five minutes, and then you switch over to somebody on the Democratic side who has five minutes, and then you go back to the prosecutor. That, that is not a conducive way to try to develop, you know, a cohesive, you know, line of questioning 
because it's it's all these stops and starts and you know apparently the, you'll have the questioner the republican prosecutor she'll be trying to get some sort of line of questioning going and then she'll have to stop and then you'll have a democratic senator who'll ask about something completely and totally different or give a speech and then you come back and you have to either pick up where you left off or go to something different it it's not it's not a good format and if i were devising this i would have Larger chunks of time, like I said, maybe 30 minutes for the questioners and then 30 minutes for the Democratic response and then maybe another 30 minutes, something like that, which would, I I think, help people develop lines of questioning and develop lines of thought and then kind of follow it coherently. That has not been happening, but doesn't mean that ultimately people aren't going to be able to get to the truth to the extent you can. I tell you what, I'm going to take a very quick break. When we come back, some more thoughts on what's going on. And if they resume the hearing, which should happen again any minute, we'll continue with our wall-to-wall coverage. It's 1214. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1217, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. They're the hottest seats in town. So just how can you get your hands on them? Gene Miller takes you through getting tickets to the Brewers playoff games. That's at 521 tomorrow on Wisconsin's Morning News. All right. Before we go back to the Kavanaugh hearings, and they're, they're starting to assemble, we, we, we can't bury the lead. And, and obviously, as I said, this is American history. It is, it's one of those things that it, it hasn't happened since the early 1990s when you had the Anita Hill sort of testimony. So I think people, especially if you're news junkies, you will remember where you were on a hearing like today. That's why I think it's important to bring you wall-to-wall coverage. But let's not bury the other big story. The Brewers are in the playoffs. Brewers go to St. Louis They take care of business. They sweep the Cardinals. And if you look back at some of the epic failures in in Brewers history, it's been at the hands of the St. Louis Cardinals, whether it was losing the World Series in 1982 or getting knocked out of the playoffs in 2011. I, I think it was very, very sweet that they clinched a role in the playoffs in St. Louis, on the St. Louis Cardinals home field. Very, very cool with that. On top of that, the, the Cubs, and I ended up watching, I was up late again last night because I ended up watching the end of the Cubs game. The Cubs started choking it away. Pittsburgh was down 6-2. to two. They came back. They tied it. The Cubs ended up winning. The Cubs are a half a game ahead of the Brewers. I think everybody knows that. The Cubs play today one more game against Pittsburgh. And then St. Louis, who is still competing for that second wild card spot, they go into Chicago, and St. Louis has a lot to play for. Bottom line is, I, I think if the Brewers take care of business, if the Brewers, for example, run the table, I think they're going to win. I think they're going to overtake the Chicago Cubs if, in fact, they, they run the table. Brewers have games tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday against uh, the Detroit Tigers. I, I will say this. you know, Gene's going to be talking about tickets tomorrow. I, 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 I've got my tickets to the Brewers. We've got the partial season ticket thing, so I, I, I signed up for them. I really want to see them win the division, and it's a purely personal thing because uh, my wife and I, we have our WTMJ listener cruise coming up, uh, the river cruise in in Europe, and we leave a week from Saturday for that. So if they win, if they were to, if they were to win the central division, the first two games would be next Thursday and Friday at Miller Park. So that, I just think against whoever comes out of the wild card thing. So that means I would be able to get to watch the games Thursday and Friday at least because I've got tickets for those before I, I go to Europe. Now, I'm not rescheduling my trip to Europe or anything like that. I don't think the folks at Fox World Travel would be too thrilled with me. And, I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to going on that trip. But I, I will say I think it's going to be some late nights because there's like a six- or seven-hour difference. So my guess is I'm going to be on the Danube 
two, three o'clock in the morning on the computer, kind of watching how these things play out. But um, I really want to see him win the division. I think they've got a great chance to do it. And and it was special. And and one of the coolest things I was watching on TV last night that the celebration afterwards. And I will say this: one of the very, very coolest things was was watching Bob Euchre, who has been the Brewers broadcaster since 1971 and is, is such a part of this team. And Bob is just, Bob is a great guy. Bob is just an absolutely great guy. And, and here, here's the truth of it. If, if you're a broadcaster for, for a team, especially a team that goes for long stretches of time, not really competing for, for the playoffs, it, it, no matter how much you love the team, it, it can get tough. And I think at this stage of Bob's career, to have the Brewers be where they are in the hierarchy of baseball, to make the playoffs, you could just see how thrilled he was with this. And it was just fun to watch him in the locker room with the celebration. This is a tribute to the entire organization, starting with Mark Atanasio, who has made a commitment to the team and a commitment to the fans in Milwaukee to, to win and the players they brought in. It was just a very, very cool event. And... I just, you know, we, we talk about history, and I understand what's going on in Washington is an important part of American history. But I tell you, locally, what happened last night in St. Louis was so incredibly cool, and you just hope that this miraculous season continues. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, they should be back in session, and we'll be able to resume listening to the testimony of the accuser in the Kavanaugh case. 1221, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 1224, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, three games in, and the Packers have shown just about everything and anything can happen during the course of a season. Greg Matzik and Jeff Falconio are live from Flannery's in Milwaukee for Miller Lite's Packers Playbook, and they'll figure out if the green and gold are contenders or pretenders. That starts this evening at 6.07. They are on a, a, I guess a lunch break would be the best way to describe it, in the questioning of Christine Blasey Ford. It should be resuming at any minute. Once it starts, we will, again, bring you that testimony. There's an interesting opinion piece in in the Wall Street Journal today, and it's written by a woman named Libby Locke. She is an attorney who has been involved in, in sexual assault allegations. I want to share with you the first portion of it because, again, I, I think – it raises an interesting point that you don't necessarily hear. The, the headline is, the attack on Kavanaugh is un-American. Here's what she writes. A reputation is a fragile thing. Last week was a testament to that simple truth. Within hours of being accused of an unsubstantiated and uncorroborated three-decades-old assault, Judge Brett Kavanaugh's reputation as a highly respected jurist with an unblemished personal record was permanently damaged. Many rushed to declare Judge Kavanaugh guilty merely because he had been accused. Democrats all too happily called for him to withdraw his Supreme Court nomination while his accuser's lawyer basked in the left's glory for slowing a Supreme Court nomination that seemed a sure thing. As the hashtag MeToo tidal wave crests, it is crucial to remember what happens when we blindly assume the truth of allegations rather than require evidence and adhere to the notion that people are innocent until proven guilty. I have seen firsthand what happens when people mindlessly follow preconceived narratives, disregard evidence, and indiscriminately believe accusers. I represented Nicole Aramo, a dean at the University of Virginia, who was victimized by one of the most notorious false rape accusations in recent history. Rolling Stone magazine claimed in 2014 
that Ms. Aramo had tried to cover up a horrific gang rape at a University of Virginia fraternity. The campus exploded in protest, and Ms. Aramo, who had dedicated her career to helping survivors of sexual assault and had supported the purported victim, became a national villain, receiving public condemnation and death threats. Although we were ultimately able to vindicate Ms. Aramo publicly, winning a $3 million jury verdict for defamation, we faced the tremendously difficult task of proving what had not happened, that the reported gang rape did not occur, and that Ms. Aramo did not dismiss the accuser's allegations. That required months of litigation, not to mention the public backlash my law firm endured by daring to ask a purported victim of sexual assault questions about her allegations. Judge Kavanaugh finds himself in a similarly unenviable position, being expected to prove a negative. To vindicate himself in the eyes of those who assume his guilt, he must show something else happened. For example, that he was somewhere else when the incident, whose location in itself is unspecified, allegedly occurred. It continues, um, to make matters worse, the purported assault took place before cell phones, text messages, emails, making it hard to find contemporaneous documents to demonstrate the falsity of the claim. I mean, to, to that point, if you are 50 or 60 years old and I were to say to you, all right, prove where you were the first week in July of 1982, how do you do that? And, and the answer is you, you. it's almost impossible to do that. In any event, the piece continues. That's precisely why Democrats have launched onto these allegations, because they are unprovable. It is her word against his. And how dare a white man from a privileged background confront his accuser, either himself or through his lawyer, even if that lawyer is a woman. The left tells us that to do so would be insensitive and would re-victimize her. But with that approach, due process is thrown out the window, all law is politics, and mob rule becomes the standard. It is un-American, and all Americans should be fearful. All right. Now, I, I, I want to stop there. Their the piece continues. But the bottom line of, of all this is that for everybody who says, well, you need an investigation, I, I my question always becomes, what do you think an investigation is going to is going to share? The accuser in this case says, I, I, I don't have any other independent evidence. I didn't tell anybody about this. I don't know where it occurred. I can't give you a precise time. I just, this is what happened, believe me, from the perspective of an investigation. If you're the FBI agent, you get this case file dropped on your desk, well, you, you end up saying, all right, what do I do to investigate? All right, I interview Kavanaugh. I interview the accuser. I can't find anybody else. And I guess you can talk to the person that she says he was there. But, you know, Mark Judge, he denies that any of this happened. Where do you end up going from here? And, and that's the problem that you have. I do think that what's going on today is necessary. Let the accuser make her statements. Let's hear from Judge Kavanaugh. Where it goes after that, though, is going to be interesting. And it's beyond, I think, simply it's beyond just a, you know, what what has been proven and what needs to be proven. It's going to be an interesting comment on where we are in society today. 118, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, while the Brewers hunt for Brew October, what about Christian Yelich hunting for an MVP award? Scott Warris explores the the national perspective of the Brewers outfielder at 334 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Check that out. All right. This, 
This is American history. It, it, it just is. This is one of those days where, you know, people are going to think back and she, I, I remember when during those hearings, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We have played the testimony of the, the accuser of Brett Kavanaugh pretty much in its entirety. I just want to open up the phone lines. We're going to use this as an opportunity for an electronic town hall. The committee is on a 45-minute break. I assume when they come back, Judge Kavanaugh will be testifying and answering questions, and we'll bring that to you as well. But I have a question for you, and that's a simple one. All right, we've heard, Dr. Ford, what do you think? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think about what you've heard? Is she believable? Is she not believable? Where do we go from here? Does Judge Kavanaugh need to step down? Should he be confirmed? Is he hopelessly damaged? Is is he an abuser that has gotten away with it for 30-some years where do we go from here? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I will say, while while Gru is lining up the calls, I do have a couple observations. First of all, I, I think the five, as I said at the start of this, the five-minute off, five-minute on thing was very, very difficult. I, I think it was it was a stilted sort of thing. It would have been much better off if the prosecutor, the person that retained by the Republicans to ask questions, would have had an, an opportunity to develop lines of questioning. Secondly, I think an unnecessarily large amount of time was spent on the Republican side talking about, okay, why did you come forward and who was your attorney and who paid this type of money, as opposed to concentrating on what she remembers about the details. And, of course, on the Democrat side, there, there wasn't questioning. There was just speechifying. The last hour or so was one person after another just kind of making their statements. So I, I don't know as a fact-finding process we got very far. But the important thing is, what do you think? 414-799-1620. Let's start with uh, Chris in Sheboygan. Chris, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. First and foremost, long-time listener. Actually, listen to Mr. Sykes before you took over. Love okay. the show. Thank you very much. Uh, I personally was actually sexually assaulted when I was a child. It was in 1987. Uh, I was a military child. We lived in Germany. My father was a soldier, and it was a soldier that molested me. I did not wait 10, 15, 20, 30 years to report that abuse. I immediately went home, told my mother. My mother then told my father, who was a sergeant in the Army, who then told his commanding officer, who then began proceedings on a court-martial for the soldier that molested me. Mm -hmm. I find it hard to believe that the validity behind what uh, Mrs. Ford is talking about, given the simple fact that it was, what was it, 30 years? Uh, More than that. It's going on 35 years, yeah. Exactly, sir. Um, I I just uh, physically going through it myself, I don't buy it, not one bit. Something that physically, mentally detrimental should have been, would have been, could have been reported immediately and handled accordingly at that time, giving you way more validity in your complaint than 36 years later. You cannot help but look at the, dare I say, uh, political Mm -hmm. division, whatever you want to call it, behind this, and that the timeliness and when it came out, um, I... Just wanted to kind of throw that out Good. there from a physical person that physically experienced that. I don't buy it that one bit, sir. Good enough. Thanks for the call, Chris. I appreciate it. Well, that, I mean, obviously, 
you know, and one of the things I was listening to during the, the end of the testimonies, people were talking about procedures for interviewing sexual assault victims and things like that. One one of the keys that that all premises on is that the report is in what I'm going to describe as a timely fashion. So you, you can go back and you can interview witnesses. OK, who was there? Let's get some contem- contemporaneous um let, let's get contemporaneous recollections. Let's let's go see if there are alibis that people have, all that type of stuff. Obviously, when you have something that's from 35 years ago, it, it is impossible to do that. I mean, you, nobody. Where were you on Tuesday night, July, the first week in July in 1982? Well, OK, no, nobody's going to remember that d- directly. And, and that's one of the unfortunate things because of the timeliness, of course, um, Victims do not come forward from time to time. Is that is that a defining thing? How do you react to what you've heard? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Dave in Milwaukee. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, I don't think I find her very credible at all. She doesn't remember many things about just what happened two weeks ago. She didn't want to fly to Washington D.C. because she says she has a fear of flying. Yes, she admits she went to many many countries. Flew there to all of them. She said that uh, she flew to D.C. right here for this hearing because they wouldn't come to see her. That was incorrect. The people said we were were willing to see you anywhere that you wanted to. Uh, I believe her parents and brothers and her sisters would not give any supporting letters for her. And, uh, well, I guess, Dave, let me stop you. And and you're correct that that's all stuff, but that's kind of on the periphery. Does... What does whether or not she, you know, likes to fly or doesn't like to fly, what does that have to do with the underlying question of 30 plus years ago, was she a party and was she, was she, was she molested by a guy who might be the next associate justice on the Supreme Court? No, I don't believe she was because she's making a lot of things up. She has a fear of flying. But would a person that has a fear of flying fly all over the world to all these different countries? Okay. Would a person that has a fear of flying fly to Washington? She says she doesn't understand what it meant when they said that they would come and see her where okay. she lives, that she didn't understand why it meant. That's why she took a plane. Got it. Okay. No, good enough. Thanks again. I, again, I'm, I, I'm, I'm asking. This is, this is, I, what, what I want to do during these, the next two segments of the program, especially before, uh, Judge Kavanaugh testifies, is I want to, I want to get your reaction to what you, you heard. Eileen in Greenfield. Eileen, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, I, I have a problem with the, the timeline, as everybody else does. I, I can't believe nothing has been told to anybody. But my what I am trying to understand, and I don't, and, and I don't think I've heard, are there or has she named people, or are there people known that saw what she is telling no. happen? No. No, she okay. she and says she says that right. She said just she says that there were no witnesses other than Kavanaugh and this Mark Judge guy, the, the two perpetrators. Um, they they deny this. She says there were no other witnesses, and she did not tell anybody else. They might have heard him. You know, they were talking about the, this this friend of hers, this Leland. She says she didn't tell her that. So no, there are no other witnesses other and, and, than the accused. Which is why I turn my TV off. I don't want to hear any more of it because it's a non-issue as far as I am concerned. And I believe many 
Americans are concerned. There is, it's a non-issue. Okay, right there. Thanks for, no, there, there is no, there is no corroborating evidence. Now, I, one of the, the things that's coming up is that an FBI investigation, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I, I've been saying this repeatedly. I just, I, under the circumstances, given that it's 30 plus years old, I don't know what a further investigation would, would show. We, you already have statements from the two people who are accused and one who will be testifying saying, I didn't do it. Um, nobody else claims they saw it. So, yeah, you, you can have the FBI agents go out and interview people, but I don't know that that's going to advance you. This is going to be, I think, at the end of the day, he said, she said. All right, 414-799-1620. We've got one open phone line. Eileen drops off. Lots of people want to weigh in. My question is a simple one. All right, after hearing... Dr. Ford, what is your reaction? We're back with more calls in just a moment. It's 127. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 136, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, what did you think of the testimony of Dr. Ford, the principal accuser against Judge Kavanaugh? I'm intentionally trying to withhold my own opinion for the moment, and I I, I will share that with you in more detail after Judge Kavanaugh testifies. I, I do think... The way the procedure was set up today was very awkward in that five minutes on, five minutes off. I think if you wanted to really try to get to the truth, to the extent you can get to the truth, there was a much better way to do that. But I'm not sure anybody necessarily wants to get to the truth. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Kate in Grafton. Kate, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Kate. Um, I've been listening to the uh, trial off and on, or well, not trial, but the, uh, the hearing yeah. this morning. And I'm just, you know, I'm not sure that she's all there psychologically. I know that she's claiming she has all these anxiety issues, but yet she's still flying everywhere. But I think there's other things going on. I feel like there should have been, she should have reported something a while ago. Instead of waiting until, you know, 30 years later to ruin somebody's career and life, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm the same age as both her and Kavanaugh. And, yeah, I was sexually assaulted by a gentleman I worked for. But, you know, granted, he wasn't running for, you know, a high office. But still, you report it when it happens. She has no witnesses, no one to corroborate her story. So... Well, okay, well, give me, give me, let me back you up. Give me the, give me a female perspective of, of that time. So you're, you're their age. You're, you're at a party like that and you, you have, uh, you have a guy and his buddy that they try to do what she says they tried to do to her. Um, you, your reaction, would, would you have, would you have told somebody, one of your friends, your, your mom, your dad, would you have told somebody under those circumstances? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. I mean, for one, I wouldn't have been at a party by myself, not that she was, but, right. you know, you would usually confide in your friend that you went there with. Right. But right. now, but nobody, nobody witnessed it. She didn't tell anyone. Um, and it's, you, you know, and this whole Me Too movement is just totally gotten out of hand that I feel like it's kind of feeding into this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I feel like there should be some limitation on how far back you can go to to report these kind of things um you know right it's it's just not right to come out and right before he's going to be you know hopefully sworn in 
to come out and ruin someone's life. But, and, and, the, and the truth of the matter is, Kate, his reputation, whether he's confirmed the Supreme Court or not, his exactly. reputation is ruined. The, the man, the man's repu- thanks for calling, man's reputation is ruined. I, I, I will say this. I understand why victims, in many cases of sexual assault, make the decision not to come forward. Now, in many cases, it's because it's a family friend or it's a relative or it's a clergyman or it's a teacher or it's something like that. I, I understand that. I, I will say this in, in this particular situation, the fact that it, it's a, it's a rel, it's an acquaintance. It's a relative stranger. You don't have some of that stuff going on. And, and, and again, I, I don't know. Having never been in that situation, you, you would think that. I mean, to me, I would think that somebody would, as soon as this happens, would confide in their friend or whatever. It's certainly in their friend at the time saying, you know what happened? I mean, they threw me on a bed and tried to do this. But again, everybody reacts to this differently. That That is an issue that I think a lot of people have trouble for. Now, it doesn't say it necessarily, it doesn't mean it didn't happen, but it makes it more difficult to verify one way or the other 35 or 36 years later. 414 799 one six twenty. Let's talk to Gail in Brookfield. Gail, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, hi, Gail. Um, yes, just from all of the comments that I am hearing, I just wanted to state that it sounds like a lot of people feel that if it isn't reported right away, then perhaps it didn't happen. Where I just simply wanted to share that in 1976, I was raped and did not report it does not mean that it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. No one else was there to corroborate it. Mm-hmm. Only that young man would okay. know. Okay, now don't did. don't mention don't mention any names, okay? No. Because, okay, so but why why didn't you report it? Well, well, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. And so I was fearful that I would get in trouble. So mm-hmm. I did not say anything at that time. Did you did you ever say anything to anybody? Oh sure, yes, I told my friends. You told your friends what it after happened? Yes. Oh, yes. right, right, right after it happened, you told well, your friends probably within a week or so. Yeah, you know, they were off at college. I right. stayed at home. Right, right, but you did tell. Does the fact and I guess and look, I, I've never been in that situation, and I, I'm, I'm and I'm you know I'm I'm with everybody else. I'm trying to work my way through it. I guess. See, I don't. I don't find that surprising, Gail. And that, that, to me, that's the reaction. I can understand why maybe you don't feel comfortable going to the police or going to your parents in a situation like that or like Dr. Ford's situation. I, I'm having trouble figuring out why she didn't say some, why she didn't do what you did at least, which is tell your friends, you know, what mm-hmm. happened. Mention it to mm-hmm. somebody. I guess that's, and, and I mean, like I was saying just a minute ago, if it's a family member, if it's clergy, if it's a close family friend, I get it. But if it's just some, you know, random high school right. acquaintance, that you don't have any allegiance to. I don't understand why you wouldn't tell somebody. I, 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 I mean, I, I can't get into her psyche, and I, I just right. That's one of the. That's the issue I have. Yeah. But, and I guess all just what I'm hearing too. I don't want people to just um, disallow that that this happened. Right. You know that she's making it up simply because she can't prove it. Right. You right. know, it was such a stigma back then. This Me Too moment. Yes, I think it is really getting out there, but. It's actually a good thing mm-hmm. because good. some yeah. people are being made held accountable right. for their actions. And, you know, we, you, like you said, in each individual, what happens to them? How do they deal with it? How do they react to it? It's all uh, on an individual basis. 
Right. Thanks for call, Gail. I, I appreciate the perspective. And again, we, you know, we all try to wrestle with this type of stuff. And I, I mean, I understand that it's a traumatic sort of situation and, and you figure, you know, how, how to deal with that. At the same time, I mean, the flip side is, the, the flip side is how do you defend yourself from an accusation of something that you, you did 35 years ago? I mean, it's, and, and that, and that's, and that is the balancing act. And, and of course, nobody, I would hope, that you know that, that nobody is defending this conduct if it occurred, but the question becomes: What if it didn't occur? How, how do you prove? How do you prove the negative? Now, from a political perspective, the reality is that this will. I mean, Brett Kavanaugh is is incredibly tainted. That's that's just the bottom line. Whether he's confirmed to the Supreme Court or whether he decides, whether the Republicans decide they don't have enough votes to confirm him. I mean, I don't know. We'll have a pretty good idea of that in the next twenty four to forty eight hours. But confirmed or not, his. His reputation has been permanently damaged. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Leanne in Milwaukee. Leanne, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. What do you Um, think? Let me first state, I think that uh, Dr. Ford is the most heroic woman I've I've ever heard, um, you know, about or, or who's come out and spoken. Because what would be the benefit for her doing this if, in fact, it was not true? And by and, and, and saying that, I myself have also, also experienced an assault. Um, and I can tell you, I don't remember what I ate for lunch last week, but I can remember every single detail, the smell, the what I was wearing. The, it's, you know, they, they, they criticized her on, on, you know, not coming forward. I never came forward. Um, you know, you, you're humiliated. You feel like it's your fault. Um, I think she's. Did you never tell any? Did you never tell anybody about what happened to you? Um, I think years later, um, I told it more as a nonchalant, um, like, "Oh yeah, you know, something happened to me too." Um, but again, I I was humiliated by it. I didn't want to to lay that out for everybody to hear. Sure, Leanne, I'm I'm in- interested because one of the, you one of the, I, and I'm not cross-examining you. <laughs> okay, that's not that's not my intention. One of the things that you said was that you re, you remember everything about it. I mean, do you do you remember where you were? Do you remember you know who else was there? Do you remember where it occurred? Do you remember when it occurred? I I, I could not tell you the exact date that it occurred. Okay. What I could tell you is that I know the people that were in the immediate vicinity mm-hmm. of where it took place. Got I it. know the details of what happened of how i felt of how it smelled at that moment um but again everything on the edges is is very frayed as far as as memory Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you but you believe her i do i'm sorry still there yeah okay um i understand people are saying this could be politically motivated but why herself through what she is putting herself through with her family and moving and security. Mm-hmm. For what? I mean, what is the end game? Yeah, and you, is it is it any way, shape, or form possible that she just might be mistaken, in your opinion, as to who was involved? Or, or, or no, you don't think, don't you think you're wrong no. about those things? Okay. No, I, I, I didn't know the person. And years later, or I shouldn't say years later, a, a couple months later, I saw his face. And mm-hmm. I knew immediately without a doubt. And I, I mean, it's, it's not something that you forget. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, thanks for calling, and I appreciate. It. And I, I, one of the frustrating things about this entire discussion is that because of the passage of time, we're never going to know the truth. I, I mean, again, unless unless suddenly Doctor Ford would recant, which he's not going to do. Or Judge Kavanaugh would say, no, I've been lying about all this and I did do it. We're never going to know the truth. And, and that's the unfortunate thing because of, again, the passage of the time and the inability, inability to confirm or corroborate stuff. We're, we're never going to know. So there's always going to be a cloud around this incident. Okay, we're going to pick it up right there in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. I really do appreciate the, the calls that we've gotten and a wide range of opinions. 147, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 151, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you're just tuning in, uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee is on a recess. When they come back in the next 10 to 15 minutes, uh, Judge Kavanaugh is going to be testifying, and we will bring that to you live as well. Here's a text, and of course I'm being overwhelmed by text. I'm not sure if she was assaulted by Judge Kavanaugh or not, but I do believe she was assaulted, and she did have some sort of traumatic experience that day. I think the biggest problem here is that a story this that this story was completely hijacked by the Democratic Party and weaponized to suit their political agenda. The fact that none of this stuff was released until now is highly disturbing. Just shows the true intentions of the people who had this in their hands and did nothing with it. I, I do. I think that is a fair comment. Regardless of where you come down on this, the fact that this information was with Diane Feinstein since July. And the fact that it, it was never addressed, it wasn't there. There wasn't any questioning of Brett Kavanaugh beforehand. The fact that this it did not surface until the the eve of the confirmation vote, I think, tells you you know the political nature of it and, and how these allegations have. I, I think the word is correct, been weaponized. Now that that means nothing. It says nothing about whether she's telling the truth or not. It's just I, I don't think, for example, particularly Diane Feinstein has anything to be proud of in the way this was handled. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Jim and Mequon. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon. Thanks for sure taking my call. I'm a therapist in private practice, and I'd like to make a few comments. First, about uh, some of the callers have discredit her because of her fear of flying. I've worked with many people with fear of flying, and they usually self-medicated to get on the plane. Some follow doctor's rules. So fear of flying does not prevent you from flying to make it very uncomfortable. Uh, In terms of not reporting right away, I think uh, the statistics are at least two-thirds don't. We have thousands of people today in the U.S who have been victimized by clergy. Yeah. Uh, most recently in Germany, 3,000-plus by clerics. This mm-hmm. wasn't reported. Jim, let me just stop you there for just a second, because I, I have a sincere question. I, I when, it, when it comes to reluctance to report, I, I certainly understand it if it's clergy, like I was saying, or family members or a close friend of the family or maybe even teachers or something like that. When, when it's somebody who's no more than than an acquaintance, is that different? I don't really think so. Uh, you go back thirty years; it was quite a stigma for a woman to have been assaulted. Mm-hmm. They were blamed. They still are. Look at the comments today. Mm-hmm. She's asking for if she wears those type of clothes. No responsibility on mm-hmm. the male for blaming the. 
Is there a no. difference between reporting, as in going to the police and saying, I was raped by this 17-year-old boy at this party, or he tried to rape me, versus telling you know one of your friends, hey, you're not going to believe what that blankety-blank tried to do to me. He grabbed me, he threw me on the bed. It, it, it's, I mean, it's one thing to not go to the police. Is it something to not share that with one of, just not tell anybody at all about it? I think, you know, that's not uncommon. Uh, you know, there's humiliation, mm-hmm. there's disbelief, there's trauma, there's shock, all involved. Mm-hmm. And I've worked with different people who have not reported. Mm-hmm. And maybe even 30, 40 years ago, uh, or 34, 40 years after the fact, I've had people suddenly remember mm-hmm. what occurred. Uh and in this particular case, was somebody whose mother was raped by Russian troops in World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just a song that took off. Have you ever encountered, in, in your years of working as a therapist, have you ever encountered a, a false claim? Or do we, do we, do we just assume, from, from, your, from your perspective, you know, for what you do, do we assume if a patient says this, that, do we just assume that they're telling the truth? No. Okay. Uh, definitely not. Uh, look at different, what they're saying, what their mm-hmm. memories are, uh, the circumstances. Got it. Okay, Jim. No, thanks to God. I appreciate, I'm sorry, I'm kind of up against the clock. I appreciate the perspective, and I, I do really appreciate the, the call. I mean, this is you know, th- this is one of the things where, again, when you're dealing with, with allegations from 30-plus years ago, it, it raises some of, of these issues, and I, I do appreciate your input. All right, um, we're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll either take more calls, got a lot of great calls on the line, or we'll go to the news, or if the hearing resumes, we'll pick it up there. So we are we are flexible and fluid on the Wagner Show this afternoon. 156, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.